podcast within a podcast pottering around the well-hidden magical toffee of Mangum Reads. We are three muggles who feel like apparition is the way to go if this is what portkeys feel like. My name is Sarah. I'm joined, as always, by my co-hosts, BJ and Spencer. How are y'all doing? Uh, I'm just glad you didn't refer to us as the old discarded boot. It was on my list of things. (laughs) I did scratch that, though, because I thought we all needed needed an ego boost in these times. (laughs) Any yes. help we can get. This is this is the example where I feel like the odd man out of Magnum every now and then of where uh, port key travel, I'm down. I would have been hopping back in that left and right, like, can we go again? In terms of because it's an old boot or just the travel? The, the uncomfortable roller coaster feeling of it? Yes, and the old boot. If I could, if I could have the old boot and that together, win-win. Okay, well, we'll put you in touch with Mr. Weasley and see what happens. <laughs> I mean, given JK's descriptions of transportation, do you think she gets carsick? Yes. Because basically every way of transportation of or doing anything, there's this uncomfortable feeling just behind the belly mm-hmm. button. And we do also get, um, d- to be fair, third-person descriptions of what apparition is, but eventually we get first-person d- descriptions of it, and it's not really any better. <laughs> hmm. So... Actually, it's a fun question. Is there any comfortable means of travel we've seen? Is he, has even broom travel been described as pleasant? Uh, the night bus, I would say, is... <laughs> yeah, yes well, pleasant well, is, a, is a stretch, sickness. maybe, but... Yeah. <laughs> At least you'll get a hot chocolate poured over you when you swing wildly around corners. Man, you're selling it well, sir. <laughs> I also get it's motion sickness. the buses so. I've traveled on. <laughs> I, I just do these things and take Dramamine. Works out. Well, I suppose but. that's an option. But there are no medicines in the... In the wizard world, <laughs> Yes. Um, so we are on, what number are we on? Chapter, Chapter six, six, I believe. Chapter six, the port key, which we have already discussed a little at this point. Um, but we have some segments that we do here. Uh, we do a rapid fire recap. We have BJ's wizard wheezes, newbie notes with Spencer. Uh, we award house points. And then we have um, questions and queries and qualms and quibbles. Indeed we do. <laughs> And we, and we start off with a timed trial for Sarah, where she, if she wishes, gets to control the time. Sarah. I don't know how you will get under two minutes this time. <laughs> um, I, I will just would, would read like the chapter your shot? for you, BJ. So <laughs> I, I am going to make a bet on this one. Okay. I am going to do one minute and 50 seconds. One minute and 50 seconds with five seconds on either side as a margin. All right. The somewhat less impressive novelty stopwatch is ready. If you are. Harry is dragged from sleep well before dawn to begin the trek to the Quidditch World Cup. Mr. Weasley meets them downstairs decked out in muggle clothes for traveling incognito and has done pretty well, actually. Mr. Weasley, Fred, George, Ron, Ginny, Harry, and Hermione are traveling by portkey, and it's a bit of a trek to get there. Bill, Charlie, and the newly qualified Percy are sl- still sleeping because they can apparate. The portkey system, as well as um, 
Designated apparition spots have been put in place by the ministry to facilitate large numbers of wizards traveling and congregating without attracting too much attention. Right before they set off to find the port key, Mrs. Weasley notices something sticking out of George's pocket and begins charming ton-tongue toffees from every seam they've been hidden in. She's again furious as she sends the rest of the family on their way. Harry and Mr. Weasley discuss the logistics of the World Cup as they walk. There's not a magical site that big, so they have to create one with anti-muggle precautions. Arrival times are staggered, with people in the cheap seats arriving weeks ahead of time. 200 port keys have been set up around Britain as travel hubs, and port keys can be anything, but they need to be things muggles won't find particularly interesting. Up on Stoatshead Hill, where they, their port key is supposed to be, they hear a voice calling out for Mr. Weasley, having found the old boot that is the port key. Amos and Cedric Diggory are there, traveling on the same schedule. We've met Cedric before. He's captain and seeker of the Hufflepuff Quidditch team, who notably tried to give back Hufflepuff's victory after the Dementor episode in the last book. In... Um, True Wizarding World fashion, Amos is very excited to meet Harry, although it mostly seems to be a conduit to brag about Cedric, who tries to play it off. Their scheduled time for the port key comes, and they all gather around the boot. Everyone squeezes in to touch the thing, and after the countdown, Harry feels a tremendous jerk from behind his belly button and is tornadoed around until he slams into the ground with someone announcing the arrival of the 7 past 5 from Stoatshead Hill. 149. Well done. Oh, thank you. Um, a couple of... A couple of difficult things to say in that recap which i did not notice earlier today <laughs> um but here we are so recap over bj what are you wheezing about uh there are many things that i could wheeze about but um i'm going to wheeze about uh sort of amusing things that seem to exist within the ministry of magic oh, please uh including the accidental magic reversal squad. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other things that are hilariously less creative, like the Department of Magical Transportation. And it's it's sort of curious to me whether this was more of just a, I'm just going to add magical or magic to other things that already exist within UK society <laughs> and then pretend that, you know, I've done something useful. Um, the other thing that I just sort of want to talk about, and, you know, this will probably come up a lot more in questions, is that so much harm befalls wizards that has absolutely no effect on them or anybody else that is completely nonsensical. And so the only time that sort of anybody is ever hurt is when... It's important for the plot, and it's not even really important for the plot. It's just a thing that happens in the plot. So, so are you particularly when, referencing the description of splinching? Yes, okay. as splinching and other issues with apparition where you can just sort of leave body parts behind. Sometimes it's half of you, sometimes it's other bits. So and I, I want to actually point out, um, and I'm sorry to cut you off, but it's it's interesting that you it's good that you bring that up because I think that this is an inconsistency in the plot because later in other books, I'm sorry, in later books, it is clear that like splinching is a real fucking problem. Um, and it, it yeah. will kill people. Is, is it possible that Arthur Weasley was trying to, you know, minimize it to a certain degree to not scare his kids? Possibly. We have had this conversation about Arthur Weasley before about kind of what just a good dad he is. Um, that, like, maybe some of his bl blustering nonsense not knowing about muggle things is actually just to kind of draw people out of their shells. Um, mm -hmm. 
Harry mm-hmm. in particular. I don't. I don't know. I have not. I had not read that like that before. Um, but in later books, we do see some pretty grisly effects of splinching. Well, and I guess this is sort of more to my point, which is the only time that it matters is when it's plot relevant, as opposed to every other time. It's like, well, we just have a squad that deals with it because everybody everybody has to do this. It's kind of like having a driving test where you have to go like 150 miles an hour on a regular (laughs) basis. And, you know, everybody takes it and it's fine. You know, if you crash, like they just have somebody that puts you back together. Mm -hmm. Um but like for certain things, like you know, it actually causes a problem. I mean, then that's sort of how so many things seem to happen in the wizarding world, um, and and we'll get into a little bit more of that later in questions. But the other thing that I really want to wheeze about is that this chapter reads a lot like an entry, like in the Oxford English Dictionary for like the definition of a port tea. You know, it was first used in, uh, you know, and let me give you a little bit of background. And that's like a, you know, good chunk of the chapter. So Spencer, I assume that you enjoyed that immensely. Quite a bit, yes. <laughs> I was down. But it just, it's just funny because like if, if this had been done before, we would have gotten like an entry on flu powder and instead of actually going to Diagon Alley, um, we'd have just gotten like, this is how flu powder works and, you know, whatever else was in there. I, I, that's one of the hardest things about just doing this chapter by chapter recap with me desperately trying to not be spoiled is resisting every impulse I have to just bury myself in whatever Harry Potter Wikipedia mm-hmm, exists out there. Mm-hmm. Just every one of these words, every one of these history topics. Ah, look forward to that so much when we finish the series. <laughs> this, whole, this whole podcast, Spencer, yeah. was just a front to teach you self-control. It's failing. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just sort of like an interesting way of going about things that because it is what it is, it, it's a little bit different than the uh, kind of tiresome like science fiction things where it's just like, let me explain this foreign technology to you in a chapter. And it, so it's nice that it's there's some brevity to mm-hmm. it, but it is a little bit of that... Um, Mm-hmm. jargon um but yeah i'll save other quibbles i have that i could wheeze about in our later questions uh segment i just uh, to um something that you had done in previous previous episodes and previous chapter chapters i had not realized until we were re- reading this with the lens of um well with your lens pj <laughs> Um, but I had not realized what an incredible word splinched is oh god it is quite a great word Um, I wanted to talk about it but since we don't really get what it is I'm hoping that we get it later we'll get some different descriptions Um, of it later yeah yeah and and a little bit more around it and I didn't want to also look it up for reasons that Spencer isn't looking things up because I've definitely been spoiled on things that I didn't expect to be spoilers, mm-hmm. um, like t- the timeline that we've already dealt with mm-hmm. um, and things yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. So Spencer and BJ. Uh, 
Well, first things first, I'm starting to realize that apparently everybody in the Harry Potter universe, but particularly the Weasleys, get up like I do in the morning. <laughs> in terms of they just kind of wander around like zombies and maybe wake up about an hour and a half later. So I'm reassured I'm not alone in that regard. Uh, I really liked that Mr. Weasley, by donning a golf sweater, over large jeans, and a giant belt, essentially achieved dad bode prime in the course <laughs> of this chapter. Well, but also he held up a a belt like he was so proud it's like i know that muggles use these and i'm gonna wear it too i also just imagine him having spent like an hour figuring out where it goes and how to wear it Mm -hmm. um so the next chapter and this is these some of these early chapters in this book are one of the reasons that this is uh my favorite of of the books but kind of in the next two Mm -hmm. chapters we are at the Quidditch World Cup, and so we get to interact with a lot of other wizards. And Uh everybody is supposed to have dressed kind of muggle incognito. And so we get to figure out, like, what that means for other wizards. I'm going to look forward to that. It would also be really funny if uh, they went, like, soccer fan, Mm. to the great confusion of everybody involved. (laughs) Well, we may or may not get some hooliganism going on later in this book. It's it's another description that just hammers home how much I adore the Elder Weasleys. I mean, they don't have much competition for being the best parents in the Harry Potter universe. Like, you know, (laughs) none that we've otherwise met. But they seem good people. Hermione's parents seem to be surprisingly good parents. We had half, we had what, a paragraph description and interaction with them, and then they left, exit stage left. They went to a bank once. (laughs) Well... They were supportive of yes, her. Yes, they were. Like, yes. I, I don't know true. what else you want from... Boarding school parents. Of, you know, hey, hey, we... yeah, boarding, exactly. Boarding school parents that are basically not allowed to interact with any any of the main <laughs> characters or anything that goes on in any of the books. Fair enough. I will happily place them in the second position for best parents in the series. <laughs> Do they have any other competition? Uh, probably. <laughs> not that we've met. Um... <laughs> In terms of the various means of travel that we've gotten so far, most sound like fun to me. Apparition does not. <laughs> I have seen the various versions of the fly over the years. This sounds like a really bad idea. And I picked up on that before I received the word splinched, which is the most effective word I've ever heard for describing an unpleasant thing. <laughs> I'm not even fully sure what it is yet. I don't know if Harry's imagination of what it is is accurate. But you look at that word, and you don't even need context to know, well, that's not good. I mean, we can functionally do this, Spencer. Like, you can take... So climbing harnesses are made to carry um, an adult person's weight, and you just clip it in, and we'll hook you up to uh, an ATV or something (laughs) like that. It'll be fine. A hot air balloon, I don't know. Like, you know, whatever floats your boat, and you can be pulled basically by your naval places. I'm not sure. You're you intending this to be fun or not? I'm kind of on the border between. <laughs> I'm just saying, you, your excitement about this form of travel, like, we No. Can... <laughs> not apparition. Apparition seems bad. Port keys, on the other no, hand, no, we'll get look, to those. The other ones, that, that it hooks into, oh, okay. like, right behind your belly button, and you get whisked off places. Like, I... I'm down. I think this we can have be done. Technology. Okay. We, we do. I... I I'm of the view that I would apparently handle these better than J.K. Rowling thinks I would. 
Uh, I'm of the opinion that I want to see this happen. <laughs> but I like that... Uh, I'm, I'm of the opinion watching. that I would like to be in another county with an alibi. <laughs> <laughs> Your Honor, I was He's in no way involved in the planning of this. Contract that's fine. <laughs> BJ, I'm wondering with how many waivers you would have me sign, whether that would be a FOIA or a Guinea evidence in court, really. <laughs> Why would I bring waivers for you to sign? I would just have you write up the waivers, and if you do it badly, they'll throw it out. <laughs> well, I like that uh, Harry's just uh, imagination of what splinching is was even more gnarly than mine. Like, I was imagining you, like, half the person's body's in one location, half's in the other. No, Harry's, like, random bits of you are just left behind. In terms of half, doesn't have to necessarily be contiguous. That's graphic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll be curious to see if we see any more of splinching later. It seems like you guys have suggested we will. Um, I'm also terrified by the notion of what Fred and George were planning to do with the Tung Tung Toffees at this massive wizarding event. Probably really good from a liability standpoint that their mom caught them. Can't imagine it would have been good. I mean, well, but the other side of it is... A lot of the candy that's available in the wizarding world is not friendly to its consumers. Yes. yes. So this is like a but known le- thing. Maybe not exactly the Tun Tung Toffees. It seems to be that at least in most joke shops, there isn't like buy it and find out what it does. <laughs> They're pretty clearly labeled of what you're getting into. Now, not the people you're going to inflict them upon, necessarily. Well, you got to test it on the people somebody, who... Spencer. No. No, <laughs> you really don't. Let me just say that now for the Harry Potter universe. These do not need to go down how they keep going down. This is abusive. I mean, I'm really surprised that we haven't seen Tongue Twister Twizzlers yet. Mm. Oh, God. I, I think Twizzlers might sue. Uh, also, one thing that really caught me off guard, the sheer number of wizards coming to this event. Mm-hmm. I think I would have lost money that there, that were, there were that many wizards in the world. 100,000 people are traveling to England for this? I, I think that in the last book there might not have been a hundred thousand wizards, but now it's important for there to be. So there is now. Yeah, yes. I was going to ask about that. BJ, you know, you're kind of fresh to this series, at least from this point on as I am. Did that seem like a hell of a lot more than the impression you had previously about the overall wizarding population? Yes and no. Um, mostly because there was a deep dive that I went into on the number of uh, Quidditch players there needed to be and the number of wizards mm. so it was high but not that surprising um, I mean there are probably like multiple states in India that are just all wizards that's probably true Gotcha. I mean there are probably like more than 100,000 Indian wizards because uh, I think it was like 1% or 0.1% mm-hmm. of the population, and at that point, like, oh, when you Jesus. have a billion people, or uh, just awful. about, yeah. Okay. Well, I enjoyed the description of the hassle, because I can only imagine what that task must be like, and the headache of that, and how much the average wizard is utterly failing and adhering to their confidentiality requirements with respect to muggles, <laughs> given that we, what we've seen previously. Uh, port keys, contrary to what you guys were saying, and contrary to apparently what Harry thinks, seem like an awesome blast of a way to travel. Can I just volunteer just to keep on hopping back through them a few times before we continue on to their destination? This also I'm cu- hmm? curious how you would feel about it if you didn't know it was a port key. Like, you just pick something up and you get whisked somewhere 
and you kind of know and you kind of don't. Uh, I think I would function like, well, that was a hell of a trip. Can I go back through and yell woo this time, now that I know it's going to happen? I think the answer is no, Aww. given how they work. It's just like, well, you needed to do it at 4.15, and you did it at 4.12. <laughs> Sucks to be you. I suppose this would be like the, the uh, theme park equivalent of just riding the monorail over and over again, <laughs> but, you know. Um, also, every now and then, J.K. Rowling just kind of places what seem to be giant flashing warning signs around words in her way of foreshadowing, saying, this is important, I need you to understand this concept now for later use. Port mm-hmm. keys seem to have that in spades. Yeah. Where she, as you noted, BJ, she is taking pains to make sure we understand exactly how they work, they can be random objects, they are instantaneous travel, they are magically enchanted, they work in very set ways <coughs> by touching... Shit. Did someone break a port key? Someone broke a port key. Uh, I was very disappointed on further research to find out that Stoatshead Hill and Ottery St. Catchpole are not real places because I want to go there. Isn't Ottery the St. Catchpole the best name for a British place that you've ever encountered? This is why I assumed they were real because they're the most authentic British place names I've ever seen. Yeah, I don't, good work rowling on that one. Um, I did not yeah. know that they were not real places, um, but I would have bet money that they were. I googled those in a heartbeat <laughs> to find those out. I wanted pictures. I wanted the history of how that became Ottery St. Catchpole, because mm-hmm. you know there's a story oh, behind absolutely. that. Uh, Stoats Head Hill. Who knows what epic battle involved Stoats <laughs> on that hill back in, ancient, back in ancient British history? It sounds um, oh. very much like a Redwall series happened on Stoats Head Hill. Yes. Oh, oh no. Now I want to see. Now I want to read that book about that. <laughs> um. I enjoyed the, we've finally found uh, Hermione's weakness. Uh, apparently she is very lucky that, um, uh, she's very lucky that there is no required course in gym among her various activities. <laughs> no, she's not a like physical person. <laughs> she is the last up the hill and even then she is struggling. I know, and it's funny about this chapter too, that that is like actually the only, the only thing Hermione does in this chapter is struggle to get up a hill. <laughs> She doesn't wake up well, she's kind of confused, and she barely makes it up a hill. This is not a great Hermione chapter. No, it's not. I don't know if she'll be the ultimate loser of the chapter, but she did not have a good one. It's not playing to her strengths, you know? She's she's exceptional at certain things, just none of these. Uh, It was nice to have an appearance. I I enjoy that we're broadening our character base. Amos Diggory sounds fun in all the kinds of ways I've seen certain dads be Mm -hmm. that are just horrendously embarrassing to their children. Yep. Uh, and it's nice to see Cedric Diggory again. I'd kind of forgotten about him, um, but my, it triggered a memory that it, I kind of almost just picture him as being like the cape, you know, like the Superman of the series. We've never received a bad description of him. He's extremely handsome. If memory serves from the last book, he's built like a brick house. He's very skilled at anything he does. And uh, he's are apparently a really good person, if I remember correctly. Like, I think you noted that, you know, remind me. Last time we saw him was when he was on um, the opposing team in against Harry Potter when Harry was taken out by the Dementors that, like, wandered onto the field, right? Mm-hmm. And a- afterwards, because he th- thought it was unfair, he offered to, like, do a rematch. Yeah, in a, in a very chivalrous... I mean, everything that... Well, Amos is a little bit um, pompous in this whole exchange. Everything that he says about Cedric seems to be true. Um, and yeah. even J.K. And Rowling seems to have a little bit of a crush on Cedric because she did, she does like repeatedly describe him as modest and all kinds of other things as well in the face of his dad bragging on him. 
he's the he's the cape of the series. It's fascinating to see somebody that's being described as you know this perfect. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, pretty much everybody else in the Harry Potter setting has a very obvious either physical or character flaw associated with yes. him. But not this guy. No, yet. I can't remember if it's discussed in this chapter or not. But like, turns out he's very good looking. I, I love. So Harry Potter has all of the flaws apparently, other than maybe the looks department. And even like especially early in the series, he is sort of scrawny. Oh, yeah. He is scrawny. He's got taped together glasses. He's got clothes that are massively oversized. He's constantly confused. He had issues. He's working through them as he's becoming the celebrity of the setting. But, yes, J.K. Rowling uses the word extremely to describe how handsome he is, which was just, it caught me off guard just how out of place it is. I don't think she's ever used a word descriptor like that before. Yes. But. Um, And we just haven't seen, like, good-looking people in this no. In, th- in these books he, before. He's Captain America before he becomes Captain America. Yeah. Or What? No, he's Harry Captain Potter America. is essentially Captain America before he becomes Captain America. Scrawny, doesn't fit in any of his clothing, kind of useless. And, and, I mean, and Cedric Diggory is Captain America after he gets the treatment. <laughs> maybe. I'd like, sure. We'll have to see a little bit more about Cedric Diggory. Maybe. As we were discussing, he's you know he's described as being a prime physical specimen, ideally handsome, very pleasant, generous person who does sportsmanship like the back of his hand, skilled at every one of his activities. It's like, is this guy going to be the real hero of the story and we're just living in it? <laughs> that would be a real turn. <laughs> you know, I just spent three books introducing all these other characters, but let me tell you about who's really important now. It's okay. We find out who, who the real hero of the series is eventually. <laughs> Should, should I write that down on my list of increasingly varied colored li- uh, entries? No, no. <laughs> the, re- the real hero, two red lines under it. Are you into the pastel color coding yet, Spencer? Oh, God, I think I was going for Dalmatian the other day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that finishes up what I've got for Newbie's Notes. Again, it was a very short chapter, but it seemed like I had a lot of important things to make notes of. But... Despite it being short, uh, Sarah, were there winners and losers? I believe that there were winners and losers of this chapter. Um, as you as you mentioned, Spencer, Hermione did not have a great day. No. <laughs> there was physical activity involved. Um, there was walking up a hill. There was waking up early. It was not great. However, um, Fred and George seemed... Oh, uh, yeah. While, while they're... they're um, Moment of humiliation was brief in the beginning of this chapter. It seems like that might have been getting close to the end of their stash of their tongue tongue toffees. Um, and Molly Weasley was legitimately mad uh, in oh, ways yeah. that we don't normally see her. I mean, I do think that she was legitimately mad in the prior chapter where we talked about kind of their Weasley wizard wheezes things and her disapproval of all of it. But this is like... There was no hint of amusement in um, how she left that conversation and how and how they left for the Quidditch World Cup. Um, I would also put forth that she had a bad day yes. just because they're awful. They're awful to her, and she doesn't clearly doesn't want to be playing bad cop. Yes. And were I able to assign house points outside of the purview of this chapter, um, based on what happens next, um, or in, in subsequent chapters, I would actually give loser of the chapter to Molly Weasley. Um, but I am, I am not allowed to do that. I must stay within the confines of the chapter. 
Therefore, could, what and what was that, Spencer? Uh, could Molly Weasley get an honorary mention for winner of the next chapter just because she's finally alone to have a glass of wine and go shopping? <laughs> yes, we will not hear about Molly Weasley in the next chapter. Therefore, she wins. <laughs> it, it really, yeah, Molly Weasley really pissed off was kind of scary. I mean, like, with my theories about how magically powerful she is, if we ever see her, like, really pissed off, she could, like, unmake reality or something in front of her. We'll just wait, Spencer. Um, God, what color do I code that one in? <laughs> to bright red. So, I think Fred and George, losers of this chapter. Um, winner. You know who had a really, really good day? Who had a really good day, sir? Amos Diggory. Amos Diggory got to brag all the shit about his son. <laughs> to the most known wizard in the wizarding world outside of Albus Dumbledore. Like, <laughs> it was great. I was going to say, Arthur Weasley also had a really good day, but like I do think that Amos is the uh, final yes. winner. But like everybody's going to be dressing up in, in muggle regalia, and he got to do it, and he didn't get any flack for it for, from his wife. And he probably That's... gets a couple of days of talking to Hermione and Harry about muggle things. Mm-hmm. Um, all, of that is, all of that is true. Those are good... Good Mr. Weasley days. Amos Degree had an exceptional day. He, he did. Uh, I think it even elevates it further that he almost logically placed Harry in the position of having to agree with him that Cedric is more awesome than he is. Mm-hmm. Yep. Where he just kept on saying, Harry, wouldn't you agree? Harry, wouldn't you agree? I mean, good sport <laughs> that you are. Wouldn't you agree? It's like... I, I don't think so what Harry is Amos... specifically disagrees with him. Like, genuinely, I don't think he disagrees with him either in, like, that teenage... Well, I don't know. He is the sort of good-looking, popular, good at sports getting, kid. It was giving, getting forceful enough, though, that I like that even Arthur Weasley picked up the signs yes. and went, let's change the conversation yes. elsewhere. So what does Amos Dogery usually do that this is a particularly good day? Oh, I don't know anything about the rest of his life. He got to say it to Harry Potter's face. Yes, in front of an audience, too. <laughs> Uh, good choices, Sarah. Thank you. Are you ready for some questions and queries? I suppose so. Uh, <laughs> you got any, BJ? No, uh, we're done here. Well, That's great. Thanks. Bye, guys. So how do you pronounce the spell that Molly Weasley was using? Oh, Akio. Oh, that's a good one. Akio. Mm-hmm. It's a K. I was going to put it with a C. Yeah, it's Akio. I, I, I was going to say it could be a Chu, which would be really <laughs> funny. Um... <laughs> I was assuming it wasn't, but... Oh, man, I really wish it was, though. That would be great. Just wandering around, shouting, Achoo! Achoo! The ultimate cure to enchantments around you, hay fever. <laughs> so, my other question is, like, can you just sort of do that at things randomly and just, like, get whatever result you want? Like, where this seems a little bit... Uh, does whatever you want spell. And so, yeah. like we, we have some other ones kind of, but this just seems like she just does it, does it. I don't know. I think... It seems a little so silly. you have to know, A, what you're, what you're calling to you. Um, although it is, it is a little wand wavy um, in the fact that like she doesn't <laughs> oh, yeah. know necessarily what else is in hidden in their clothes and seams and all of that and she's just 
acting on instinct. So that that's a little tricky. We do get... Um, so Harry does learn Akio later in this book, and it does become very plot-relevant. Um, and to give just a little insight into what that looks like, y- you can also, although it's much more difficult, you can sort of cast Akio and call specific items to you that are, like, out of your eye line of sight as long as you know what they are and they kind of have to be in a specific range. So are they specific hmm. to uh, inanimate things? Mm, I think so. Could you Akio Voldemort? Well, he'd have to be Place within specific your range. specific range. And I do think, you know, I think that there's probably a reason that there's a difference that you have to cast, for example, Expelliarmus to get a wizard's wand instead of just saying Akio wand. You can say Akio wand like to your own wand or a wand that someone is not holding, um, but you can't just sort of cast it and grab somebody's wand from them. And it's probably poor form to just wander around places and go Akio (laughs) gallons. I would say so, yes. (laughs) There might be legal implications. (laughs) Um, yeah, it just seems very unclear. No. Well, one from me, just because now it's been referenced two chapters in a row. Can you explain to me again how owls work? Because I know it has pissed Molly Weasley off about how bad Fred and George did. I just don't fully understand it. I'm oh, sorry, I thought you so meant the male owls and for a second. Flap and they <laughs> <and laughs> yeah, Can you explain to me how flight works? I, I'm just not getting the, how, how that functions. Um, so the, the, o- the, owls. the OWLS, the Ordinary Wizarding Levels... Um, they are a, essentially a standardized test, and you end up, I think, in your fifth year. Yes, in your fifth year, you take your OWLS for um, your OWLs for all of the classes that that you have been taking. And so you have had a chance to kind of select um, select some classes in your third year. You have your, your regular classes that you were al- already taking, but they all have these kind of exams attached to them. Um, They are, if I am remembering correctly, they are actually administered by ministry officials, not, not your professors. So it's, it's essentially a kind of independent examining board that comes in and conducts the, the owls. Um, And they, so if you don't, do well enough? Um, are you disbarred from magical uh, use, or or is this a uh, some other sort of testing? No, so it well, it's a couple of things. Um, sort of immediately in your magical education, you have to. There are certain classes that if you are going to become a newt level student, which is the nastily exhausting wizarding test. Um, if you are going to become a newt level student in a specific subject, you have to, and and the individual professor set this, but you have to get a certain level in your owl exam to continue on to a newt level class. Um, and certain types of owls and newts are required for certain types of jobs, um, particularly within within the Ministry of Magic. So. Um, you have to go, you have to get a certain number of owls to, like, continue on at Hogwarts, I think. 
um, we don't see anyone who specifically like fails out of Hogwarts <laughs> because they have not gotten enough owls. But um, unclear if you're unclear if your wand is taken from you at that point and you're not allowed to practice magic. I don't know. We don't see that play out in the world. Um, although if anyone were going to do it, Crab and Goyle seem like they would be the ones. <laughs> well, it makes all the more sense why Molly Weasley is as pissed as she is, because if they only earned, like, the base minimum of one, a base minimum of owls, they are fully threatening their future role in wizarding society. Yes. And, you know, um, you can get... The owls have, um essentially grades and scores attached to them and i can't i mean there's something like um pass high pass exceeds expectations or whatever they are i don't remember the exact terminology um and so for example we we learn later in later books that um like snape will only accept students who have gotten the kind of high pass whatever the equivalent of the high pass is into his newt level classes um whereas um i think i don't know professor sprout maybe might accept someone who has gotten a sort of like regular pass into her newt level class understood i I have a follow-up question but it's not in this of this chapter okay (laughs) Uh, Which is, our newt level acceptance is capricious. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Everything else professors at Hogwarts do are the same, so sure, yeah. Sounds right anymore? Uh, No, this was a short damn chapter. That is all I've got. Uh, yeah, I, I think I'm I'm at my uh, my end as well. So uh, of the quibbles and quarrels, I feel like you have uh, dodged one. Seems that way. We lose there. Perhaps, uh, but either way, uh, this has been fun as yeah, usual. Yeah. So next chapter um, we have chapter seven: Bagman and Crouch. We do. Uh, uh, yeah, with, um, with a, excited to go into that. With a picture that makes me think we're getting leprechauns in this chapter, which, if we do, that's an interesting shift. I suppose there's no limit to what mythical or magical creatures we could have in this setting. Well, do remember that Ireland is one of the teams participating in the World Cup. Also interesting that it is not a lucky clover. Nope, just a regular yes, one. <laughs> Valid point. All right, well. Well, I'm very much looking forward to it. It seems like it's a longer chapter, so uh, we'll get a little bit more to talk about. But until then...